welcome to another edition of the Nightly News. We're remembering 9-11 all week. Our special guest is Mark Geist. Uh, Ted, I was, uh, I hated the end last night because the story was, uh, I, you know, I hate to say starting to get good. Mm-hmm. And, and we have a friend here. This is Mark's dog, Roan. Um, Ted, I, I, I just can't wait to hear this. Um, what happened? You know, we'll pick up from kind of where we left off last night. You know, I got back to the annex and taken over security there. The rest of the team had um, been able to recover Sean Smith's body, but they hadn't been able to find the ambassador. But they were in an untenable, undefendable position at the at the consulate. So they also um, made their way back over. And once they got back over, you know, everybody just because we kind of all knew where our firing or where our shooting positions were. And it's, it's that communication you have that's so important in that kind of environment. And all they did is say, Hey, where do you got people at? And I told them where I had uh, positions filled with, uh, and they really were filled with guys that weren't really gunfighters, but a body is a body that could pull a trigger at that time. Um, they went filled in those gaps and filled in and helped support the guys that were there and, um, we almost immediately started hearing and seeing uh, movement on our northeastern and eastern flanks. Um, and you can see vehicles pulling up. We had MBGs, so we owned the night. We had infrared lasers on our guns, and uh, we were starting to see people move up towards our perimeter. Um, you know, and, and people always ask why we didn't engage them maybe a little bit sooner. Cause we, you know, I kind of wanted to let them get as close as possible. How close? Um, we want, we let them get it right up. Cause they, they were trying to get up. We had floodlights that um, probably covered about 15 meters out. And we let them get about that close because uh, you know, it just kind of made me think back after the fact, thinking it through it was kind of like uh Concord, uh, uh, the militias in Concord in 1775, um, you know, let them get up to the, uh, do you see the whites of their eyes? Because mm-hmm. they thought they were going to have an easy run of it like they did over at the, over at the consulate. And uh, there was four of us that were able to engage um, them from that position. And the other three or four guys were all covering the, uh, covering the other avenues of approach on our perimeter. And, we just opened up on them and, uh, you know, there was probably, I think there was about 20 guys coming at us and uh, there was four of us that ended up being able to engage and we made quick work of them, uh, probably about 10, 15 minutes max. And uh, they, they they realized that the sheepdog protecting this place had a few more teeth than what was in it that was over at the, over at the consulate. How, how long until they attacked again? Um, you know, there was a lull in that. Um, they were still probing. They were coming up, you know, just in ones and twos, but you couldn't necessarily detect. The, you, you know, couldn't see any weapons all the time. Uh, so, you know, and, and and again, it's because of the ROE that's put down and the fear that you have of getting uh, sued by your own people or your own government that you kind of, you know, hindsight is and I, there's some guys I wish I would have freaking face shot. Um, Ted, listen to what he just said, right? Yes, more afraid afraid of the U.S. government than people attacking them with Kalashnikovs. I hope I hope that registers with everybody here at the Nightly News that calls Ted Nugent an extremist and a radical. Good over evil is why I was banned from Facebook. I stand for good 
over evil. I stand for Kyle Rittenhouse, not a paroled child molester who's trying to kill Kyle Rittenhouse with a nine millimeter. I stand with the guy that shoots the guy that's trying to kill him. Right now, there is Sergeant Dan Perry in jail in Texas because he used a license. I hate to even use the word license with a permit. I don't need a license and I don't need a permit to defend my life. But Sergeant Dan Perry of the U.S. Army is in jail for neutralizing, killing a guy who was leveling in uh, an AK replica on him at a riot in Austin, Texas. So that's what Mark's talking about. I think that's the ultimate takeaway here is that, yep. that a warrior even has to have a flash of a thought that he might be sued by his own government for shooting a guy attacking the U.S. Embassy in Benghazi. This is the takeaway from this. And I want to go to another uh, uh, element here, if I can, Mark. You know, the uh, President Bush's counter-assault team used to train at my ranch in Texas because they weren't allowed to fire their weapons on the Bush ranch. How and where and did you guys train? Obviously, you went through dry runs so that you know when the hits the fan. Here's where you go. I don't know. You have to talk about it. Code one, guys. And the guy, I got goosebumps. This is how Shemaine and I trained for a fire in the house or an assault on our house. We don't have to say anything. We say, this is it. That's all you need to know. When she takes a flank, I take a flank. We have the weapons and we train. It's not only survival instinct and responsibility, but it's also it's fun. It's fun to yeah. be prepared. It's fun to yeah. have a fire extinguisher and somebody goes, my house is on fire. I'll put it out for you because I have a fire extinguisher. You should have had one. Um, where where, and how often did you train? Because you guys, obviously, you come from military, so you have this training and it never goes away. I, I know for a fact that intense training stays with you, but you do have to touch up on it. Were you guys able to train at that facility for a moment such as this? You know, the best training we could do at that point, you know, uh, is what I call it doing like a whiteboard um, walkthrough. We would always, anytime we would have downtime, um, one of us would uh, come up with a scenario of how we would be attacked. How, how, if I was the enemy, how would I attack this facility? A mindset. Right. And then we would all discuss and go through procedures of what we would do to defend against that, whether it's a lone um, attacker trying to climb over the wall and making it through or a V-bed blowing a hole in the wall, um, whatever the case may be, all the way up to, you know, if it's a fire, because what they learned over at the consulate was the fire was the biggest killer. That's what killed the ambassador and Sean Smith was the fire that they started because they didn't have any fire suppression equipment. They didn't have any SCBAs or anything like that. So they could put it on and breathe in that, in that horrendous smoke and fire and flames and gases they're put off. Um, you know, and, and like I said, it's, it's, it's your six P's. I mean, if you don't plan and you don't prepare, you are not, you know, people, they always talk about rising to the occasion. I can tell you from my experience of carrying a gun for this country, since I was 18 years old, I'm 57. So um, I've got a few years of carrying a gun around to protect people. And people do not rise to the occasion. You only will rise to the level that the highest level of training you've ever had. So if you don't, if you train at the bottom of the barrel, 
I, I'm going to go out and shoot my gun, you know, uh, once a week or once a month or, you know, and then I'm going to go back and maybe clean it, maybe not. You know, you're going to get what you get. Um, and that's how you're going to operate in a high stress environment. Because I'll tell you, when people always ask me, you know, well, seconds count in a gunfight. Well, yeah, they do. But what's more important isn't the second in a gunfight. It's that everything that you do daily to prepare for that gunfight that may happen that you hope never does. Because as a civilian in this country, you don't want to have to get into a gunfight. You don't want that if at all possible. And you can prevent that from proper training, planning, knowing how to deal with it. Because if I'm a sheepdog that's got teeth, people are going to have a le less likely to want to freak in that come at me. They're going to go after the soft targets. That's the way bad guys are because they're a bunch of freaking bitches. Yeah, well, let's talk about that for a minute because you're talking about soft targets. Um, we are living in a world of unlimited soft targets. You see this engineered recidivism. People are being raped and bludgeoned and beat and, and carjacked and home invasions <clears throat> and hit with ball bats and sucker punched and killed us, sucker punched to the head. People are just not prepared, but I do witness and celebrate an increased awareness of that that preparation mindset. Yep. I see a lot of, uh, in fact, you do a lot of training. We're, we're creating a Ted Nugent, you know, warrior defense uh, uh, scenario here where people who have never handled a gun keep hearing me celebrate the importance of being armed and prepared to protect your sacred gift of life from God. And so they want to know what kind of gun, what kind of caliber, where do I train? What do I shoot at? How do I prepare? What kind of holster do I get? So I would like to initiate right now in the nightly news that Keith, Hopefully, Mark, and I have a feeling Mark would be more than happy to do this. We've discussed it a little bit in the past. But we're going to help create a training network where civilians uh, have got to learn to have a fire extinguisher in at least three of the rooms of their home. You got to have a spare tire in your truck, and you got to know how the jack works. You got to carry a gun, and you got to know how it works, and you got to know where it's pointing. You got to know how you can get it into play from a concealment, from a purse, from a, a holster, from a pocket. This is the kind of preparation that I think Mark is talking about. It's not just applicable to the war zones and the Benghazis of the world, but in everyday life, because I am we are living in a world of engineered recidivism. We are importing military age men from China and Afghanistan and Mexico and Somalia and Nigeria. They're coming across our border by the thousands and they are dangerous people. They are raping and bludgeoning and destroying lives in those sanctuary cities where these invaders have felt comfortable and now innocent victims because people still make the insanely suicidal decision to leave their house every day unarmed and helpless. Any law, New Mexico yeah. governor, that forces free people to be unarmed and helpless is an immoral law. And I'd like to say one final thing to have your take on it, Mark. To the military and law enforcement out there, nobody loves you more than we do. But if you dare obey an immoral command and raid the Roger Stone's homes in the pre-dawn darkness with your military gear, FBI, and when you 
assault an innocent family's home without probable cause because your director of the FBI told you to, you've got to defy immoral commands. Law enforcement and military, and I got a bunch of buddies and I look them right in the eye. If you're told to do something against the Constitution and you're told to do something against your oath to that Constitution, arrest the son of a that gave you that immoral command. I think that's the that's the juxtaposition we're in right now. Mark, what is your take on that? I, I you, I'm not ambiguous. Am I right? No, you're you're 100 right. I mean, it, it, when you know, in the military, you know, as structured and top-down orders the military is, is if it is an order that is an unlawful order because of the oath that we took, yep. then it is an unlawful order. And again, it goes back to preparedness. If you are in law enforcement, you are, no matter what level, part of being prepared as a police officer is being financially um, prepared to not have to be a what a slave to that dollar that you got to get paid that job a slave you can't be that slave to that that job you have to be and set yourself up financially so you know what because you're gonna have to put the if you do as you said as you should not follow that unlawful order then you know what there is a chance you are going to have a sacrifice there Yep. But that sacrifice isn't for you. It's for the country. It's to set that example. It's to be prepared that you can do that and 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 uphold what is in your heart that you know is true. And that is protecting the Constitution. Um, and, you know, because it only takes a good man to do nothing before we lose this country. Well, you said goodbye to your brothers on that roof in Benghazi because you were willing to die for that Constitution. It's all about the Constitution. It's not just a hunch. It's not a presumption. It's not an opinion. It is self-evident truth that God gave us certain inalienable rights and that we wrote them down in case anybody wanted to play king again, Joe Biden, in case anybody wanted to play king again, Barack Obama, in case anybody wanted to play king again, James Comey, in case anybody wanted to play king again, Mark Milley, we've got to make that stand. That's the takeaway from 9-11-2001 and 9-11-2012. Mark, thanks for getting this uh, warrior pulse out to the nightly news listeners and again keith a big salute to you uh once again you are in utah what is the name of this wonderful organization uh that is that is helping atlantis it's atlantis up here mike sapero has done just a wonderful job don pay aaron tippen performed up here last night a lot of great warriors and it's 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 a great event well hey we're out of time today i know you you did the movie 13 hours based on the third 13 hours in Benghazi, but it really just boiled down to just a few minutes. And I'm Mm -hmm. hoping tomorrow night you'll tell us those few last minutes of the 13 hours of Benghazi. See you guys tomorrow night. Yeah, nightly nude. Godspeed, everybody.